By show of hands, how many of you would say that someone got on your nerves recently? Yes, I see those hands. If you're online, put the little hand up emoji in the comments, right? Uh, yeah, uh, somebody got on your nerves lately. Or for some of us, it wasn't someone, it was someone's, right? It wasn't just one someone. It was lots of someone's who got on our nerves a lot lately or recently. Uh, we may have covered this before, but um, we're, we're in a time when uh, people... Well, people are getting on each other's nerves a lot. Right? People are annoyed with other people a lot. Uh, uh, more than one person recently has said to me that they really wish they didn't know so much about people right now. Right? They really wish they didn't know everybody's opinion about everything all the time. There was this glorious time, some of us are old enough to remember it, where we really didn't know what everybody thought about things. And now we know everything, almost everybody thinks about almost everything. People can be difficult. People can be challenging. Uh, people can be annoying. Um, I, I, I think because of that, because of the tension that there is and conflict there is, that there is, it's called some people to kind of pull back from people or from certain people. It's caused some people to put some distance between themselves and other people. It, it's, it's even become popular to be anti-people sometimes, right, to, to limit the number of people that you want to be around with or that you want to interact with. It seems that more and more people want to be introverts these days. Like it used to be you didn't want to be an introvert. Everybody wanted to be extroverted. They want to be the life of the party. But it seems more and more people want to be introverted. And, and the introverts are prouder than ever of their introvertedness, right? Their ability to be alone, to be by themselves, to put distance between themselves and everybody else. I think the popularity of the and maybe three people shirts that I see online is one evidence of this. If you're not familiar with it, here are a couple of examples. Uh, I like dogs and maybe three people. <laughs> All right, these show up uh, it, uh, online in my feeds often. I don't know why. Uh, here's another one. Uh, I like coffee and maybe three people. That's, maybe that one's yours. Uh, one more, I like music and maybe three people. Like whatever it is, I like this and maybe, emphasis on the word maybe, three people. Right, here's another one that, that I see online quite a bit. It says, sorry, I'm all peopled out today. Right? Sorry, I'm all peopled out today. Or this one, some days I stay inside because it's just too peoply outside. <laughs> one more, I can't talk to you. I talked to two people yesterday. <laughs> like that's my limit for the week. Two people, I can't talk to you because I've already had enough conversation with people. You get the idea. This, it, it, it's tough sometimes right now being around people. People are challenging. People can be difficult. Relationships can be exhausting. People can be exhausting. People have different views and different opinions. And a lot of people feel the need to share their different opinions and their differences and we don't always handle those differences well. 
We, we don't always handle those differences with grace. Just in general, just in general, people can be difficult. But then add a worldwide pandemic and racial conflict and a crazy election. Throw all of that on top of the fact that people in general can be difficult and exhausting. And this is where we are. We like maybe three people. We want to talk to maybe two people in a given day. But here's what we're doing in this series. We're pressing pause, right? We're pressing pause on the, the difficult level that people can be. We're pressing pause on conflict and, and anxiety and stress. We're pressing pause and we're asking ourselves, but what is good about the life that I get to live? Well, last week we talked about the, the good things that God has put into our lives. The blessings that he's put into our lives. And we can focus on a lot of things, but every once in a while, we need to press pause and say, you know what? God has put good things in my life. We even suggested, let's make a list. Let's write it down. Let's get specific. Here are the things in my life that are good right now. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that I would change. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that I wish were different or I don't have any problems or my life is perfect. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means in the midst of all of those things, there are really good things in my life. And believe it or not, one of the good gifts that God has put into our lives is other people. Other people are a gift from God in our lives. Look at the person sitting next to you. That's a good gift from God, right? Kind of turn your head and peer at the person behind you. Side eye. Look at the back of the head of the person in front of you. Like, these are good gifts that God has given to you. God has given to me. You are a good gift to me. And sometimes I'm so focused on how exhausting people are or how different people are from me that I forget to realize you're a gift. We are a gift to each other. And, and even some of the people that get on my nerves, even some of the people that you are most annoyed with, some of the people that exhaust you and bother you the most, if you adjust your focus even towards that person, you might realize there are good gifts that God is giving you in that person. Here's what I've realized in my relationships, is that my problem with other people is often my problem. My problem with other people it's often my problem and not their problem. I see them as the problem, but very often my problem with you is actually just my problem. It's something I need to work out in me. You know, how can that be? What are some ways my problem with other people can actually be my problem? Here's some examples. It's my problem when I focus only on your flaws. That's actually not your problem. That's my problem. 
That's the way I'm looking at you. That's the perspective I'm using, the lens, the glasses that I'm looking through to see you. That's actually my problem when all I see when I look at you is your flaws. Because the reason is my problem is you could do the same to me. I have plenty of flaws. I have plenty of shortcomings. And if you view me only through my flaws, I promise you, I am really annoying. You will get really angry with me. You would be very disappointed in me. I know because I'm very disappointed in me sometimes too. Because I see my flaws too. I annoy me probably more than I annoy you. If you see me only through my flaws, yes, you're going to be angry with me. I get angry with me too. As a matter of fact, if that's what you want to do, we should have lunch. Because I promise you, I have way more flaws than you know about. I I could fill in the gaps for you. And you could just be angry at me all the time. You see, when I look at you and judge you and see you only through your flaws, that's actually not your problem. That's my problem. That's a problem with how I'm choosing to see you. Another my problem issue. It's my problem when I want you to be like me. Like when, when the whole reason I'm upset with you is because you're not like me. Well, God didn't make you to be me. He made me to be me and you to be you. And when I insist that you be exactly like me, yes, I'm going to get annoyed with you. But that's not your problem. That's my problem. That's on me. The more I try to make you like me, the more frustrated I get with you. But that's my problem. Because you're not intended to be just like me. We'll see some issues similarly. We may see some things the exact same way. We won't see everything the exact same way. Because I'm not you and you're not me. We will do some things similarly. We won't do everything the exact same way. We won't see every issue the exact same way. Because I'm not you and you're not me. And the more I insist that you become me, the the more annoyed I get with you. But that is my problem. Here's here's one of the things that helps me to remember about you, and maybe it would help you to remember about me, is that what I see as a flaw in you may just be a difference between the two of us. It may not be a flaw at all. It may not be a problem at all. It may just be that we're different. You see it differently than I do. You do some things differently than I do. Your opinion about some things is different than mine is. You like some things that I don't like. I like some things that you don't like. That's not a flaw in either one of us. That's just a difference. But sometimes in our argumentative, conflict-laden culture, a difference gets elevated to a flaw. Or a difference gets elevated to right and wrong. But it's My problem, when I look at our differences and assume that's a flaw in you, when really it's just a difference between you and me. Another my problem. It's my problem when I'm not emotionally healthy so I don't have the ability to see the good in you. I'm in in a bad space and so I can't see good in you because of my 
own insecurities. My insecurities have gotten to a point where I can't see the good in you. We're all insecure, right? We all have them. We all have insecurities, but sometimes they get to such a point that my defensiveness, my insecurities make it impossible for me to realize, no, you're really a good gift to me. Uh, when I'm exhausted, sometimes I'm not able to see the good in you, but that's my problem. That's not your problem. When I'm when I have to be right about everything, that's my problem. That's not your problem. That's my problem. Right? When I have to fight and argue and win all of the arguments, that's my problem. That's not your problem. I think it's your problem, but it's my problem. Okay? When, when I am not personally at peace with what God is doing in me, it makes it difficult for me to see the good in you, but that's not your problem. That's my problem. Quite often, those, those emotions are more of a cue that something's going on in me than something is wrong with you. When I feel that uh, sense of ongoing agitation towards other people, when I feel that ongoing sense of wanting to argue with other people or frustration with other people or disappointment with other people, when I feel that in me, that's often a cue that I need to look in the mirror, not that I need to fix you. It's often a cue something's going on in me that's stirring up this anger or frustration or annoyance or agitation. When, when I'm constantly feeling that, it's usually me. Right? Listen, I've lived this. Like I've seen this in me. I've seen this often in me. That is, The more annoyed I get with you, the more I need to look at me. The more I need to evaluate what's going on in my heart. Sometimes I get the most annoyed in you over things that I'm most annoyed in me about. Right? It's really not you. It's frustrating to see it on the outside because I know it's going on on the inside of me, often that agitation with other people is simply a mirror that, hey, something's going on in you that you need to deal with. You don't need to fix them. You need to look at you. It's often my problem. Paul was someone uh, who had plenty of flaws, and he often admitted his flaws, and sometimes he didn't see them clearly. They were still there. But even with all of Paul's flaws, he, he had a way of looking at other people. He had a way of seeing people that was grateful, that was hopeful, that was full of joy, that was gracious towards other people. Paul, for, for all of his writings and his, his, his doctrine and his following Jesus closely... One of the things that shines the most to me as I read Paul's letters is just how much he loved people and how consistently he pointed out what was good in other people. This is his opening line to the Philippian believers in the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When I think of you, when I think of the people 
who are in the Philippian church, Paul says, I just had so much gratitude for them. I just love them. What I feel is not, I'm not annoyed with them. I feel joy. When I think of those people and, and what we shared and the relationship that we have, I'm, I'm grateful for you. Were there people that got on Paul's nerves? Yes, just like there are people that get on our nerves. Were there people that Paul didn't especially like? Yes. But when you read Paul's writings, just again and again, he points to people that he was grateful for. I thank God every time I remember you. He has this, this language of gratitude, not just for what God's done in his life. Sure, he writes about that often, but he has this language of gratitude for people in his life, individual groups of people. I'm so thankful that God put you in my life. Let me give you some examples. This will get a little repetitive, but just, just stay with me for a second. This is at the beginning of the book of Romans. Paul writes, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because, of your, faith, because your faith is being reported all over the world. At the beginning of the book of 1 Corinthians, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus the book of Ephesians, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. Paul hadn't even met this group of people yet. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The beginning of the book of Colossians, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. First Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Second Thessalonians, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Second Timothy, I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Like this is right up front, the beginning of almost every letter. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you. Here's what Paul does. Paul remembered people and he was grateful for people. Like he pressed pause to remember specific people and then to say, I am so thankful that you are in my life. I'm so thankful for the goodness that we share. So what, do, what can we learn? What can we learn from Paul other than we should be grateful for people? What are some specifics we can learn from Paul? Here's one. Paul prioritized gratitude for people. Prioritized. Seeing goodness and being grateful for the people that are in his life, all the verses that I read, they come first thing in, in the letter, right? It's either the first thing he says or it's one of the first things that he says. Usually by verse 3, Paul's already said, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for you. I'm glad you're in my life. I'm glad for what we experienced together. You bring me joy. I'm so thankful God put you in my life. Right up front, Paul says, priority, I want you to know, we're going to talk about a lot of other things later in this letter, but I want you to know up front, I am so glad you're in my life. So glad you're in my life. And yes, 
His letters follow kind of a customary form. But even throughout the whole letter, Paul is still thanking. Paul is still saying, I love you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for this person. I'm grateful for that person. This is a priority in Paul's life. I want to express genuine gratitude for the goodness that people bring to my life. I I, I sense in, in the time that we live in, we tend to prioritize what what our differences are or what our conflict is, what our arguments are or where we disagree rather than being like Paul who said, I want to say thank you first. I want to see the goodness that you bring to my life first. What would happen if we train ourselves with the work of the Holy Spirit to think gratitude first when we see other people, when we hear from other people, when we encounter other people. This is what I'm grateful for. These are the good things that are in my life because of you. He, he prioritized that. That was first to him. Another thing we learned from Paul. Paul was specific in his gratitude. He not only prioritized it, but he was specific. This is specifically what I'm grateful for. He was generally grateful, but he was specifically grateful. I'm grateful for your faith. I'm grateful that you're growing in your faith. I'm grateful that you love one another. I'm grateful that you brought me joy. I'm grateful for the way you love each other and the, the way that love is growing more and more. In another letter, he's grateful that someone came to visit him while he was in prison. I'm glad you showed up. I'm glad you came. I'm glad you sent that person to me because when they got here, it brought me so much joy. Paul is specific in his gratitude towards other people. Another example. Paul, not only was he specific, but Paul verbalized his gratitude. It wasn't a mental exercise. It wasn't, I'm grateful for this and this and this. He just thought in his mind, Paul said it. Paul wrote it. He put it out there into the world. I am grateful for this specifically, and I want you to know that. He writes it in a letter. So these letters were going to be read to the churches. So the church is going to hear this. The people are going to hear this. Someone's going to say this on behalf of Paul. It got verbalized. That's that's not only important, For the person who receives our gratitude, that they hear it, that it comes out of our mouth. But it's important for the person expressing the gratitude as well. It's important to me, for me, that I say, that I verbalize what I'm grateful for. One of of the best ways I can train myself to focus on what is good, to focus on what I'm grateful for... One of the best ways I can train myself to press pause and see goodness is to verbalize that goodness, to say it, to see the impact that it has on the person that I'm speaking it to. We've said, I think already in this series, our our words set up a pattern for us. Our, Our words sort of mark a path for the direction that we're going Makes it clear, this is where I'm going to go with my thoughts, with my life. And as I speak those words, it creates that path for me. Rather than 
if the words that I speak are continually critical and negative and sarcastic, right? We know people like that, and we know every time they open their mouth, it's going to be negative and critical and sarcastic. Why? Because they built that path. They built that path with their words and with their thoughts and by what they prioritize. Paul is such a great example to say, look, I want, I want you to say, verbalize specifically what you are grateful for. Now, for Paul, and you heard it as we read uh, these passages, he's most grateful for what Jesus is doing in the lives of these people. He is most grateful for their faith. He's most grateful that their faith is growing. And they weren't perfect, and Paul deals with issues that they need to work on, but Paul is so grateful that these are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of one family. We are we are together. If we're, if we're not careful as, as, as Christians, we sometimes allow the smallest matters to become huge arguments in our family, right? The most minute issues become battle lines. Paul has this wonderful way of saying, you know what? We're brothers and sisters first. We're part of the same family first. And, and, and yes, we should be grateful. We should see the good in everybody. But especially when we look at people who are followers of Jesus. When we see brothers and sisters in Christ, we recognize, like you're trying to walk with Christ in this life, and I'm trying to walk with Christ in this life, and we could pray for each other. We have that connection through Christ because we've been redeemed through Christ. More than anybody, we ought to be able to look at other believers and say, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you. I know God's working stuff out in you and God's working stuff out in me. We are part of the same family. There should be a gratitude for one another. Another thought. In this gratitude, in this seeing goodness in other people, Paul didn't allow difficult circumstances to color his perspective on people. He didn't allow the difficulties of what he was experiencing to cause him to become negative, to cause him to become critical. That's a temptation in our lives, right? When life is heavy and hard and difficult and trying, if we aren't careful, our outlook becomes negative and critical. And we're, we're more quick to see the problems in other people when life gets hard. Here's Paul. And in many of these letters, in many of what we've, we've just read, Paul is writing from a prison. Right? Paul's writing from jail. Paul's expressing these thoughts from a difficult situation, oftentimes not knowing what the future was going to hold. I mean, there's some of these letters, Paul's in a position where he could face execution soon, and yet his perspective is gratitude and goodness of the people that God's put in his life. He writes to, to Timothy. We read from 2 Timothy uh, just a moment ago. Paul's fairly certain he's about to be killed. And his, his opening line to Timothy is, I'm so, I'm so thankful for you, so grateful for you, and in 
in Philippi. He's beaten. He's thrown in jail. He's escorted out of the city. There's a riot in Ephesus. There's a riot in Thessalonica. He's kicked out of those cities. And when, when Paul writes back to those people, he says, but I'm grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you. Paul had this way of of separating what he had experienced from the people who had been with him in those experiences. What he experienced was bad. People were still good. What he had walked through was hard. And yet he's able to say, but this person was there and that person was good. And that person helped me. And that person encouraged my heart. He didn't want to miss the goodness of people because all he remembered was all that went wrong. And and sometimes we can do that. Sometimes we only see everything that went wrong and we forget, no, but that person was there. And that person was consistent. And that person encouraged me. God, you gave me good gifts in the people that you put around me, even though the circumstances I was in was difficult. That's Paul's perspective. The circumstance was hard, but you were good, and I am grateful for what you did in my life. Like, we need to do that. We need to be those people in a world that's in conflict with each other, angry with each other, critical of each other, drawing battle lines, us versus them, and sides, and, and I'm over here and you're over there. In that world, you and I need to press pause and say, there are people in my life that I am grateful for. And I see God working through. And I wouldn't be the person I am today without them. I see God at work in their lives. Last two questions. Who have you expressed gratitude too lately like who who have you done what Paul did and said I give thanks every time I think about you I am grateful every time I remember you my heart is encouraged when I think about what you have meant to me I am glad you are in my life When's the last time you verbalized that specifically to another person, wrote it down, sent it in a text, sent an email, had coffee and said, I just want to say this to you. It needs to come out of my mouth. I need to say to you, I'm grateful for the goodness that God put in my life when he put you in my life. Who have you expressed gratitude to lately? And another question just to think about. Who have you opened yourself up to relationally lately? There's heavy momentum to distance ourselves from people right now, right? There's heavy momentum to find what is wrong in other people, to criticize other people. We have to open ourselves up to relationship. If we want to experience the goodness that God is trying to give us and other people. We have to put ourselves in those circumstances. They don't always just kind of fly into our life. Sometimes we have to put ourselves in a room with people, in relationship with people, in conversation with people. Whether that's Sunday morning, community groups, one-on-one being with people. 
We, we, we can't close ourselves off from people and at the same time experience the goodness of what God is trying to give us in other people. And I think, I think we wrestle with that tension right now because we tend to be isolated and focused on our life and, and doing our thing. And God is trying to give us the good gift of relationship with other people. And we're, we're just not opening ourselves up to that. God put people in your life as a gift, as a goodness to you. And the I like coffee and maybe three people approach is not going to reveal that goodness to you. You and I have to be in relationship with one another so that we experience the goodness of what God wants to do through people. God, I pray that you would help us to be in meaningful relationship with one another. God, I pray that Instead of viewing life from the perspective of where we're in conflict or where we disagree or what we don't like or what our differences are, we would view people, we would view life from the perspective of you are giving us good gifts and the people that you put around us. You are doing good things in the people and through the people who are in our lives. Give us eyes to see what is good. And then help us to verbalize that, to say that, to be grateful in the way that Paul was grateful for the people who are in his life. Help us to press pause. I'm just, I'm not going to engage the conflict. I'm not going to engage the arguments. I'm not going to engage the us versus them because God is doing good things in my life through certain people. And I want to be aware of that. And I want to live that out. And I want to be a good gift to other people. I, I want to be someone that others are grateful for because of the joy that I bring them, because of the encouragement that I bring them. Because of the faithfulness that they see in me. I want to be that person to others. And I want to recognize it when others are that to me. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.